Hello, dear friends. This is Moonlit Team and Moonlay's podcast. To this space, we invite spiritual masters and practitioners we've met along our journey. This magical people follow the destiny and share stories and tools to help others get closer to the inner light. You can get the support you need, get new knowledge and inspiration through articles and meditations on Moonlit app. Raya is a musician, producer, medicine man and DJ, a devotee of movement and dance as transformational practices. Raya is also a co-founder of an eco community as well as Calibre Spirit Festival and Bala Spirit Festival. We talked about ecstatic dance, which allows us to learn more about ourselves, engage in spiritual experiences, and awaken. Raya shared the healing practices through dance that inspired him to create his own workshops and courses. We also discussed connecting with Pachamama through music, sharing vibrations and energy and pure sound that aids in healing. At the end of the podcast, we invite you to embark on this healing journey through Raya's music. Robert, it's a great honor to have you here today. I first encountered with your music uh, back in 2020s, your song about Pachamama became very, very popular in our conscious entrepreneurial community. And uh, we um, really hear it in every DJ set we played uh, on our gatherings that way, on Burning Man. And it became like a, a awesome for our community. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah. yeah, and now we are sitting here <laughs> and I can talk about your music more. I'm really, really excited about that. And grateful at the same time. I want to start with a question. What is music for you? And how you ended up dedicating your life to music? Music is the force that animates my soul. It sparks my joy. It is the purest expression of celebration that pours from me and, and pours into me. And fundamentally, you know, music is the nature of the universe. Vibration is the nature of reality itself. But my own relationship to it is honestly a lot more simple and pure. I love to dance. Mm. I love to sing. I love to hear great bands playing. I love to dance to great DJs. I just, I love music. And it's actually that simple. And I'm sure I could spin you know, an intellectual, esoteric <laughs> tale for you, but, but it really is just about the resonance of my heart and falling in love with something so deeply that I dedicated my life to, to making it my path. And it, it's not something that I was um, born into any, by any means. Like, I didn't come from a particularly musical family or, you know, any of these kind of things, but I... Even from the early, like I remember in maybe at 11 or 12 years old, we would have these little dance, you know, dance parties for school. And I would be the one boy 
out there dancing with every with all the it was it was like all the girls and me while the rest of the boys sat on the sidelines and and basically made fun of me but i couldn't not dance i've just always loved it that much and so you know that pure like just that pure spark of love and attraction and resonance and in some ways desire desire to learn desire to master instruments desire to be able to express myself more coherently you know the meditation of practicing an instrument i fell in love with at a certain point and i didn't i wasn't performing i didn't care i wasn't trying to become anything with it but i just wanted to sit with my guitar every day for you know hours and do it and in some ways is kind of like the meditation of my life and then it's fortunately it's been allowed to flow into a lot of different expressions and and actually kind of define my career and and become uh, a way of right livelihood for me and that is the most beautiful thing because really it's the thing I love most in life and it's also what I get to do on a daily basis either in the studio or through teaching people or through rocking DJ sets or through sharing sound healing journeys or through ceremony but I have to acknowledge that it really 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 ignited when I first started sitting in ceremony, and, and I think this is true of a lot of people, maybe a lot of people listening even, there is something about, um, you know, the medicine experience mm-hmm. that really, 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 really connects the soul to the vibration of sound in a way that is unlike anything else. It's just the most profound thing, the most beautiful thing. And so that is what really ignited me on, on a path in my early 20s when, when I really, really put my life force into it. Up until then, it was just like, I love to dance, I love to sing, I love to see bands, I just loved, you know, being around music. But um, once I started going and doing Dieta in the Amazon, it just, it kind of took over in a way. So you've started uh, in your early 20s? With sincerely studying, yeah, which is actually like quite late. Um, for musicians. I was an athlete growing up. And so I remember at a certain point around maybe 13 years old, and I was a good athlete. And so I was given a choice where the coaches said, you know, you really need to choose between being in the band or or doing the sports because, you know, you only have time for one or the other. And and that's such a, it was such bad advice. And and, but at the time I, I chose sports. And so that's what I did, um, throughout high school. And I kind of left music to the side. And then it came back around in my late teens, early 20s. The first, actually, I started um, like literally drumming on pots mm-hmm. in my room. <laughs> you know, I just, I really like fell in love with drumming and I didn't have a drum. And like now there's like a drum shop in every town. But back then in the 90s, it wasn't easy to find an African drum. And so at first I was just drumming on pots mm-hmm. and, and learning rhythm this way. And then I got an African drum and I spent many years in the African drum scene in California, Northern California, learning djembe mm-hmm. and dundunes and learning mm-hmm. the dances of West Africa. And I was always a dancer and as probably more so a dancer than a drummer at that point even. And then started playing guitar and uh, for many years my voice was really closed. Mm-hmm. I actually have a sweet story about that. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, so for many years I was just playing guitar and I would have a daily guitar practice, maybe up to like two, three hours in the morning mm-hmm. and pouring you know, my heart and soul into it, but I couldn't, I couldn't open my, like if you had asked me to play scales for you for four hours, I would happily play scales for you for four hours. But if you say, hey, can you sing a song for me and play the guitar? I couldn't play the guitar and sing a song. You know, it was just this other relationship with it. And 
obviously there's a relationship between the heart and the voice and our self-expression and that hadn't like blossomed in me yet hadn't been given given the space to yeah i was actually in peru on a on a journey with a bunch of friends and and we were you know in ceremony and just sharing music all the time and i was learning my first medicine songs back then and mm -hmm. and singing all the time and just like mm -hmm. feeling it and so fast forward to maybe 10 years after that seven years after that or something and um, there was a gathering here in bali and i shared some music and then a friend of mine shared after and she said i feel i can say this to you now because now you're singing it is very nice i really enjoyed it you know really just beautiful and i just wanted to let you know that back when we were in peru back then um, and you were just learning all these medicine songs and you were just starting to sing. It was so hard for all of us because mm. you were such a bad singer. And she laughs and I laughed and it was, and it was like, it was such a sweet thing. Um, but yeah, it didn't, it's something that I've just like not, you know, I, I didn't have the benefit of, of having any training. Like I know you've had training in your background. That's such a beautiful thing. And for me, it was just more something like my soul at a certain point just had this need to begin expressing in this way. And then the technical capacity takes time to develop. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But I, I love singing. I love, I love playing instruments. I love it all. And it looks like you're also very connected to your body because you became like as an athlete. Yeah. Yeah, I was a I was an athlete and I loved dancing and I started studying um, contemporary dance and jazz dance when I was in university. It's funny, it's like many things about life, we, you know, when we're in the midst of it, we can't really connect the dots and then only years and years later do we look back and go, oh, now I understand. And so I always had like a joy in movement and for me, sports, it was about that flow state that can be reached through the body. And so to play soccer is also to dance. Most of the world calls it football, but, but at its most beautiful expression, like athletics is a dance, like the human body is, is moving in these miraculous and can be beautiful and graceful ways. And that's how I always kind of felt it. And just that like flow state high of being completely out of the mind and just in tune with the moment, which in the context of a tennis match or a soccer game or skiing or whatever, it's the athletic activity, but it also can be dance. And dance just brings this element of, you know, self-expression. And, and you can express your emotion. You can feel and express emotions. You can tell a story. You can become a bird. You can become a jaguar. You can, mm -hmm. you know, there's like an imagination um, component of dance that I really enjoy. And so I always loved it. And I just, and that was a big part of my path, actually, especially African dance throughout my early 20s. And at that point, like, I had no idea what ecstatic dance was. I'd never heard of it. I had no thoughts of becoming a DJ or anything like this. I just actually loved dancing. And this is still, like, what inspires and kind of propels my journey with it as a DJ. And, and it's translated from my personal love into a desire to be of service to my, to my community and really it's a global community at this point and, and help to empower other people to create spaces for for transformative, healing, sacred, celebratory dance events. You know, this is what ecstatic dance is for me. What is ecstatic dance in general? How would you explain it to the person who never heard before? And uh, 
how it's different from the other types of dance? Well, ecstatic dance, as it's practiced now, is essentially a time and space where everybody present has the same intention simply to dance. So there's no talk. There's, there's a few guidelines. There's no talking. We dance barefoot. Um, phones are left outside. We all respect each other's boundaries and create a safe space for each other to just be able to dance. That's like its most like simple expression of that. And nobody needs to be getting drunk. There's also one of the guidelines is no substances. So this is a beautiful thing for many people who maybe their only experience of dancing is like in bars or once they've had a few drinks or something to discover that there's a space where like you don't need any of that. And then the energy that arrives and that ultimately arises within and within the collective is like way, way, way more powerful and amplified and clear and coherent that way. So, you know, just to paint the picture, a typical ecstatic dance session will maybe be two hours. Um, there's a facilitation team usually in a DJ holding space. We set intentions at the beginning. We share guidelines. We get everybody, you know, in that space of agreement about this is what we're here for. And then the journey is the journey. You know, and it'll go as deep and as high as you allow yourself to go. And a lot of people learn over time to allow themselves to go deeper and to fly higher. And so ultimately, I feel like it's an incredible context for exploring the self, maybe in the same way that meditation is a context for exploring the self. Through meditation, we can really learn about our mind and ultimately possibly tap into some some truly divine spiritual experiences. But the fact that we are here in this incarnation, in human bodies, like the wisdom that dwells in the body and the intelligence and the genius intelligence that dwells within the body that can come alive through a body in motion, like through a body dancing, through a body vibrating. Like if you give yourself to the dance, if you, you show up and your thoughts are one way and you think you're somebody and you think your life is about this and you think it's heading in this direction and you think tomorrow this is going to happen and this is what's important to you right now and then you fully give yourself to the dance for a few hours, I promise you at the end of the experience you will be a different person. You will have transformed on some level. You probably will have received some insight into some problems in your life. It's like a, a good ceremony. It's like you might receive healing you might have a moment where all you want to do is like send all your love and express your gratitude you know all of all of the emotions are awakened uh it's a safe space for going into grief and and just for being real you know we can go into our grief we can go into like our feeling bodies into our humanity on a really 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 deep level through dance and through this safe container for that you know if you're in a club or if you're in a bar, like, I don't think anybody feels safe to really go deeply into themselves and express their purest essence, right? But ecstatic dance is a space where we can do that. We're holding a, a safe and loving space for that deep inner journey ultimately then translates into a feeling of connection with community that is also transcendent. And so this is the paradox is that it's like only by really, really, really going into ourselves can we emerge to truly, truly like connect with our, with our community and, and form relationships? And then over time, ecstatic dance doesn't just become a practice that happens 
you know, an isolated practice, it actually becomes part of a lifestyle, mm-hmm. and a community grows around that. Mm-hmm. And so ecstatic dance also is, it is community, it is soul family, mm-hmm. it is tribe, it is us coming together every Friday and every Sunday here in Bali for the, at least the last, I don't know, 10 or 15 years since it began. And the relationships that are built through that and the depth of connection within this community is like so profound because of this shared practice, you know. And so it's also a space where we get to worship in a really honest way without the, without any particular, you know, leader or authority telling us how we should worship or telling us what God is or, or, or is not or that what we're doing is right or wrong. It's so individual and it's a space to really connect with, you know, your own divine self and also connect with with something much, much vaster, whether you call that God or, or Yahweh or Allah or anything or, or nothing at all or the great mystery, you know, it's available. And so from another perspective, ecstatic dance is like a vortex of healing light that connects the heavens and the earth and is really bringing like a flow of blessings into the planet at this time. You know, I really feel like we need it more and more. It's healing people, it's heal- it's building community, it heals relationships, and it helps everyone awaken. And there's nothing we need more right now than a bunch of like wide awake, really vital people who are in love with life and living from the heart and expressing themselves in the world. And, and in my experience, the people in the ecstatic dance community are really are really doing that because the practice itself feeds all of those aspects of us. It gives us energy. It helps us to clear stale emotions or anything we don't need to be carrying along with us. So if it if it's a regular practice, it's like this constant source of renewal, of inspiration, of connection, of transformation, of celebration. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. You put it all together in so beautiful way. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it's been it's been a big part of my life for um, for going on like ten years now. What makes a good DJ or guide who can really lead uh, a person to into a state of complete surrender to the process? Well, so one of the things that I love about ecstatic dance is as a DJ. I can play anything that I want to play. And it all has a space within ecstatic dance. And I can even stop the music and let silence be the song for a minute. And and everyone will be open to receive that, you know. And so I contrast that to other kind of DJs who, you know, typically there's probably like a genre that you're playing. You probably got booked because you play a certain genre at a certain tempo and it's a certain vibe that a promoter wants for his event. And as long as you stay within those like limited parameters, you will be successful that night and everybody will like you because you provided the thing that they expected and that they wanted. Whereas with ecstatic dance, I can play from any genre. I can play acoustic music. I could play a piano piece. I could play really heavy, like intense bass music, followed by like the most delicate like cello piece you've ever heard. And it would completely work because people are there to have a journey. And this is what differentiates a static dance DJing from other kinds of DJing in my experience is 
we take people on really dynamic multi-wave you might say like multi-orgasmic journeys mm. um, through sound and it's an incredibly incredibly like creative way to express yourself as, as a dj so what makes a great dj in my opinion is number one somebody who has a really 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 pure intention to serve the dance floor right because in the dj world there's a lot of ego there's a lot mm -hmm. of people who are doing it because they want to receive attention in one way or another and in an ecstatic dance i almost feel like the dj should disappear in the background because it really is about the experience of the dancers so that would be number one for me as somebody who is humble enough to realize that it's not about them and it's really about like serving the experience of the collective and then from there somebody who's able to to make music flow in a way where people lose track of themselves and it becomes like a river that is irresistible and sometimes the river goes fast and sometimes it becomes chaotic and sometimes it slows down and becomes very still and tranquil and then it might speed up again and then it might fall off a waterfall but it's a journey <laughs> and it has surprises and you never know what's around the next bend like those are my favorite sets where like i get delighted because like wow i didn't expect we're gonna go or i get taken somewhere and can only like reflect about it afterwards because i was so i was so carried by by the music itself so it's it's a capacity to yeah to really understand how to create waves of energy mm. you know and how to create contrast how to make the sun come out and get everybody smiling and then how to make the moon come out and get everybody closing their eyes and, and going into themselves on an inner journey, you know? Sounds like a poetry. <laughs> I mean, I think the best ecstatic dance sets are very much like poetry, yeah, and can be very poetic. What rules or principles uh, do you follow uh, when you make up this musical journey? At this point, because I've played um, how many hundreds of sets now over 10 years, I don't have a rule and a print or a print often i don't even know what song i'm going to play until 30 seconds before i press play on the first song and it's a very much like an intuitive um journey for me i what i love at this point is being totally present with the dance floor and deciding from moment to moment where we're going mm. you know and when i first started obviously i needed to plan sets because it's just it's overwhelming to when you're when you're first starting out the idea of, of just like going for it without any any plan of any destination or how you're going to get there is it's it's overwhelming and it's just too much so when i was planning sets i would say the principles that i want to be conscious about how i welcome people into the space what kind of atmosphere do i want to create do i want it to feel like a sacred temple or do i want it to feel like a fun playground and what music is going to reflect that and what music is going to elicit that particular energy that day. And it can change from time to time. Sometimes you want to take people really, you know, into the temple or into the forest. And other times it might just be about like, let's just celebrate life right now. Mm -hmm. But, you know, on a technical level, it's about using a combination of track selection and tempo and genre and mood and emotion to create these waves of energy and these narrative arcs and this is how we teach it in our training we teach an ecstatic dance dj and facilitator training and from just those basic principles track selection 
tempo, mood? Is this a bright and sunny track or is this a, a dark and shadowy track? And can we move between both? Because even just moving between those those feelings will create a wave of energy on the dance floor, right? right? right, right, right. So yeah, there are these basic principles, and I'm at this point I'm kind of intuitively drawing upon them to do what I do now, which is very much in the moment mm. and dangerous in a certain way. I like that it's dangerous. I like that I don't have mm. the safety net of a perfectly planned out script to follow. Can we say that uh, for ecstatic dance, you need this contrast between like uh, very high, like uh, sunny emotions and uh, some. Uh, sad feelings uh, and things like that to create this like plus and minus to create this division of energy. I think think so. I know exactly what you're saying and I definitely think so. I think that life itself, well, I mean, going back to the fundamental nature of reality, it's it's the waveform, it's the vibration. And so there's the peak and there's the trough. And so this is like built into like the most microcosmic aspect of our being but then on a planetary level like we're moving from day into night constantly and this is our nature is to be moving between between the brightness and the dark and without the rest and the inner journey we get in the night we wouldn't have the energy to be able to to live our lives the way we do in the day and so you know applying that metaphor to the ecstatic dance experience I feel as though the capacity for the collective to truly, truly, truly celebrate and for that like spontaneous eruption of ecstasy to come through, because this is the magic moment, right? In, in every great ecstatic dance, at least once, there's going to be a moment where people can't hold back and suddenly there's just this eruption of ah, like, <laughs> like ecstasy, love, excitement, joy, celebration, like everybody in the room is just... ah like in it together and that's what you see online and that's what DJs love to share you know on their social media because that's like the heroic moment everybody's jumping up and down and screaming but for me that's only half the story because the height of that can only be reached by how deeply we can go within and and like do our inner work in order to resolve whatever tensions or conflicts we might be feeling on an inner plane you know, so for me to play a set where I'm consciously moving people into themselves, you know, and there's certain music where, you know, you're going to put on this track and everybody's going to like close their eyes and really go in and really feel something and really, really kind of like have an inner journey and an inner experience and, and something will shift, something will move for every person. It'll be individual and unique and I will never know what those individual stories are. But at the end of that track, if I then bring in something that has more of a bright and sunny and celebratory energy, everyone's eyes are going to open. They're going to find each other again. They're going to want to dance together again instead of dancing alone. And their experience of that reconnection with community is going to be magnified because of the fact that they were all just alone with themselves and the inner plane. So it's a really like profound, it can be a really profound it's like the valve of a heart opens and closes. I mean, there's so many metaphors that are about like the rhythm of darkness and light or, or the Tao or the yin-yang or two sides of a coin. You know, it's, it's endless, the metaphors that you could come up with. But somehow it's, it's just literally built into the fabric of our reality, you know. 
Like inhale and exhale. Like inhale life and exhale. And death. Life and death, all of it. And in a way, like a great ecstatic dance will move people not just into into the light, but it'll move them through little deaths along the way as well. You know, and, and not everybody plays that way. There's definitely, you know, you can go to an ecstatic dance and the whole thing feels like a an Afrobeat party from start to finish. And, and that's great. And that can be a lot of fun to just, you know, but it's not what I love about it necessarily. It's an aspect of what I love about it, but it's not the whole thing. Do you give five rhythms uh, by Gabriela Roth? Uh, yeah. Well, so Gabrielle, she, she's an amazing inspiration because she, so for those who are listening who don't know who Gabrielle Roth is, I'll just mm-hmm. explain a little bit about her. She was a woman who grew up in New York, and ever since she was a young child, she knew she wanted to be a dancer. She tells a story about seeing a ballerina, you know, walking down the street and, and looked in a window and there was a ballerina, and she just was transfixed at like age seven or something and knew that she wanted to do that. And so this is what she was doing with her life through her teens, and onward, and then she suffered a knee injury, and the doctors told her, um, well, your knee is injured, you can give up hopes of having a dance career, and you need to find something else to do with your life, because you'll never be able to dance again. And so she retreated to uh, the Esalen Institute in Big Sur, Mm -hmm. and she was studying um, body work in Esalen, and looking for a new career path, and looking for a way to heal her body through body work, And she had this realization while she was there that she was going to heal her body through dance. So the doctors had told her, you're broken, therefore you can't dance. And she turned that around and she said, I dance because I am broken and I will fix it. And she did. And she managed to heal her knee. And through, and while during her time at Esalen, you know, she just had this personal practice where she was going deep, 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 deep into herself and literally you know, healing herself, and they asked her to start, like, can you make this into a workshop? Can you bring other people into the experience? And so this was the the birth of Five Rhythms, mm. and it became a workshop format where people would be, they would be facilitated a dance journey that moved through um, five different rhythms, and it became wildly popular. People all over the world fell in love with it. Other people studied with her and, and started their own thing. And I've experienced it myself, and I had an amazing time. And this is like maybe in the 90s. This was like, you know, what you would find if you were looking for something like ecstatic dance would probably be five rhythms. And then uh, the actual like historical founder of ecstatic dance, as we know it, was his brother Max Fathom, who was doing that practice. But he also had this feeling like, ah, oh, but there's something more, like I want to be set free from this, this facilitated container. I just, want to, I, don't, I just want to dance. I don't want to be told how to dance or, you know, I just, I just want to go for it. And he went to Burning Man mm-hmm. and fell in love with electronic music and the rest is history. He, he got a bunch of tracks and went back to his home at Kalani in Hawaii and started Ecstatic Dance. And then, you know, that, and that was only like 2000, this is only like 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. So this thing that we're talking about This ecstatic dance thing, as we know it, it's only 20 years old. It's brand new. Everyone who's involved now is still a pioneer, like on a grand scheme of things. And now, you know, people are like combining ecstatic dance with breath work and bringing ecstatic dance into retreat settings and using it for post-plant medicine integration or any kind of integration. It's great. Ecstatic dance and corporate settings for team building. Like there's all these different ways that it can kind of like 
roll out into society. And so that's really beautiful and exciting to recognize that it still is, is very brand new. And at the same time, it's like absolutely ancient, you know, because way back before Gabrielle, and I'm talking about like mm -hmm. tens of thousands of years back, humans were always dancing around the fire. As far as we know, there's cave paintings that, you know, are recognized as being like 15,000 years old, 30,000 year old cave paintings depicting people dancing. Mm -hmm. And they interpret it as like the shaman dancing. And so we see there's this lineage and this connection going back thousands of generations probably to our ancestors who were dancing on the earth to the rhythms of probably rocks and sticks and rudimentary drums and all of that experience has been encoded in DNA that's gotten passed down the line to us that we get to receive now and express in our own unique ways. Mm -hmm. You know, it's both like this like brand new thing in terms of its contemporary expression, but also the most ancient thing in human culture, one of the most ancient things in human culture. And I think that's absolutely beautiful. But Gabrielle played a very like critical role along the way, especially in identifying that dance itself can be a healing practice, dance itself can be a meditation, dance itself can be a means of spiritual development. I think that's what she brought to the field, which was, um, you know, kind of revolutionary and really, really opened things up for a lot of people. I've read her book. Yeah, the, beautiful the, book. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the yeah. way of ecstasy, this, yeah. the way of unchained spirit, yeah. Yeah. I was amazed, I was crying. Uh, yeah. I was like, I work with my mom and dad through this book, so it's like psychology, dance, about music, and about stages in life, and mm -hmm. everything. Yeah. Uh, it's still my, like, I keep it everywhere with me. It's, it's such a book so of beautiful. wisdom. Yep. Yeah, she was a force. I'm wondering, what is the secret element in music that makes our body move? I've never actually considered that question. It's a very <laughs> profound question. And, the first, you know, the, I think the easy answer is, well, we have a heartbeat. And so that's what came out of my mouth. But I don't know. I mean, what's more interesting to me is, like, why do bodies from different cultures all over the world move in these different ways? What makes your body move? You know what, what kind I mean? Of what music? makes my body move? Yeah. <laughs> a little bit of everything, but I definitely have a relationship with African rhythms and rhythms that came out of Africa, you know, Latin rhythms and Brazilian rhythms and but I'll move to anything. I'll be I'll find myself inspired by almost anything. Almost anything. Trance music as well. In the moment? Yeah. 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 <laughs> You need to build me up to it. I mean, if you put it if you put it on right now, I, I don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I don't think I go there. But if if uh, I mean Sophie yesterday, so my wife Sophie Sophie mm -hmm. is an amazing ecstatic dance DJ. And yesterday, in her set, right like at the very peak of it, she dropped a trance track. Okay. And and it was like everyone was right there. And this is this is like without LSD. You know what I mean? It's it's one thing to get a group of people high on LSD and okay, now trance is really making sense, but like, you know, generally um it's not the easiest music to like wholeheartedly access. Mm. If you know what I mean, or or really be in in love with at least for me, but in that space because of how she had like opened the journey and lifted the energy and lifted the energy and lifted the energy, it just was like the like the moment of explosion and it was great. Mm -hmm. in that moment mm -hmm. yeah and i've heard that you're gonna launch your like sound healing course uh, soon. we have yeah so sophie and i started we have the wakamaya school of sacred fun oh. 
And uh, our kind of main training has been a, an ecstatic dance DJ and facilitator training, but we've also created a really beautiful um, sound healing performance course. And it's designed for people who want to be able to create um, from a palette of like, I don't know, over 50 different like world music instruments and deep sub bass drones and nature atmospheres and beautiful vocals and really beautiful synth pads. And I created this whole template of sound that then, um, you know, beginner, 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 like, like yoga teachers and meditation instructors and breathwork facilitators and like anybody who loves doing guided meditation or wants to offer sound journeys um, as part of their offerings or as, or as a new offering for themselves um, can very quickly learn how to do this and use it as a tool to create like really, really, really sonically rich and beautiful journeys. And because it's a performance course, every time you go, and it's basically like an instrument that lives in your laptop or a whole, a whole uh, sacred gallery worth of instruments that lives in your laptop. And with a very simple interface, you can make like exquisite sound journeys mm. for live or for recorded. So that is, uh, we've been kind of like beta testing it with our DJ students and it's been going well and we're about to share that more widely with the world and it's a it's a really beautiful thing awesome yeah. how we can how we can get to know when it's launched when it's launched you can already find it it's actually already on our platform we just aren't marketing it um, actively yet and it's the wakamaya school of awesome. sacred fun awesome or you can just go to my instagram which is rio r a i o and there's a link tree with the link to that Awesome. Yeah. Thank you for that. Really inspired to see how music uh, takes more and more space in different types of classes. Mm -hmm. Because before it was just facilitator yeah. and some background music, right. which is not really <laughs> yeah. correspond to what's going on in the class. Yeah. And now it's getting better and better. Yeah. It's still rare to find a good combination, <laughs> but uh, with the help of your music and your courses, yeah. uh, it will be more available. When you create your music, uh -huh. uh, what inspires you most? I, so I think one thing to kind of like begin my answer is I'm not an entertainer. I don't consider myself an entertainer. And, you know, music, unfortunately, in our culture, at least in Western culture, American culture in particular, um, it went from something that was just done around the family table and back in the, you know, like way back when, done around the fire in the village and around the family table. And, and music was just, you know, something that you did in life. And it became something that a select few highly trained and marketed individuals did to entertain other people. And so it became entertainment rather than any kind of, you know, personal self-expression or devotion in most cases. And as a context, like I've never considered myself an entertainer. I don't know how to entertain with music. And I've always intuitively known music to be a vehicle for me to pray through. And that's the kind of space I would touch through dance, ultimately dance, even West African dance with those drums. I would go into a, a space of trance and connect with some kind of a higher force, uh, energy, spirit, you know. 
and when I sing, like I can't. If you ask me to like entertain a room full of people, I'm not. I'm. I'm going to fail. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't know how to do that, and I don't care about doing that. But if you ask me to create a space where we're all going to chant together and we're all going to feel the presence of spirit, like I can definitely do that. I know how to pray through music, and so with the music I produce, I hope that people feel that kind of a resonance. I hope that they they feel. Um, a sense of the sacred. I hope they feel also a sense of playfulness. It's not all serious, you know, but there's also a connection with Pachamama, with the earth, particularly in these times. Like I've always, I've always known that part of my journey is to, first of all, like love and be in complete awe of the earth, of nature, Mm -hmm. just be in such like a rapturous love with her that everything else can flow from that space of love and appreciation, but then to express in a way that hopefully helps other people to feel connected with the elements, with nature, with um, their own sense of being at home here, Mm. their own sense of belonging here, you know, and and this is, I'm talking about like on a vibratory level, Mm. like coming home to ourselves in a, in a real way, in our bodies, on this earth, in a, in a grounded way, in a beautiful way, in a relatively simple way. I think the music is relatively simple. Um, but that's, I guess, the intention that's behind it is some kind of combination of prayer and devotion to the earth and just a feeling for the sacred. And it's a feeling, it's not about any particular deities or any particular um, religion or tradition. It's just more this felt intuitive knowing of the sacred and and of that connection and that resonance with with the earth and her energies and that's frankly that's i mean it's it's such a beautiful place to be and it's also it's a really difficult place to be right now and um you know we're all you know at least intellectually aware of things that are happening on the planet and uh, a lot of you know destructive activities that, that humans are still kind of addicted to and so you know it can be really difficult to like truly feel and truly be in your feeling body because you're you're going to feel these things and so it's much more comfortable to like hide inside media or, or whatever the distraction is and so i'm not suggesting that my music is designed you know how that relates to my music i, I just feel like the only way we're going to find the solutions that we all individually need to find for our own unique self-expression that's going to flow out and add to this like chorus of healing that's going on in the world is for us to start by like really feeling and really being authentic with ourselves and, and finding our own truth within that and if you're not willing to feel everything that exists within you then it's really difficult to come to a place of truth and authenticity as a as a person you know but when you do and when you're willing to then um so much can open up and so much more love can flow. But yeah, Viva Pachamama. <laughs> Ultimately, the real answer is Viva Pachamama. You know, devotion is, devotion is it. I mean, here we are in Bali. It's a land of devotion. Um, for people who haven't been here, anyone who's been here will know exactly what I'm talking about. But if you haven't been here, uh, if you just walk in the streets, you'll see the Balinese are constantly making offerings to, it still is an animate 
reality here. The Balinese recognize that everything is alive and infused with spirit and consciousness, and therefore they are making offerings and they're constantly mediating between these different planes of existence in order to, to create balance and harmony. And people come to the island and feel incredibly creative and incredibly alive, and they just, I just feel so good in Bali. And it's like, well, you can, you can thank the, the four million Balinese who are like in devotion every day using consciously using their energy to cultivate this this field that we all get to like you know experience as this incredibly dreamy creative inspiring reality and so devotion is a big theme for me and 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 what that means and how that expresses because of the path i've walked i feel like the most honest place my devotion can flow is is toward the earth and and obviously toward my family and and the people that i love but really um yeah just really toward the earth you know, in, in the deepest sense, to love the earth is really just to love yourself because these bodies don't exist without, without the ecosystem that we're a part of. We are an expression of, we're actually, we actually are the earth. We are, you know, an expression of, of Pachamama. We are an aspect of her. Mm. We are her children. And so quite literally, you know, it's as simple as just like loving, loving your mother. What is what is your way to connect to Earth and um, to transmit uh, messages that uh, the Earth uh, want to tell us through your music? I love getting just like element. I, I think I think like you know we have this skin and our skin has like I don't know how many millions or billions of nerve endings and so we have this incredible kind of like surface area that we're constantly mm -hmm. occupying that's in constant interaction and communication with the world around us and so i feel like like i love getting in water i love getting my feet you know barefoot on the ground i love saunas and really feeling heat mm -hmm. i love ice baths and really feeling the cold i just think there's something really important and like vitalizing about like a really like feeling and mm -hmm. like sensation not not needing to put any story on it or saying this is what it's about or whatever but just it it does something for for the mind i used to i mean in a different phase of my life when i was much lighter with responsibility i would love to just like lie on a rock and just like allow myself to like merge with that rock and i was it wasn't there was no story around it there wasn't any like let me receive the wisdom of the you know it was just like oh my god this feels so good you know and so in a way i, I you know i think honest quite honestly there's um there's an hedonistic element to it i might call myself an eco hedonist mm -hmm. i find being in the ocean incredibly pleasurable i find the sunshine pleasurable i think pleasure um is a really like a beautiful thing to experience and i find it inspiring mm. and nurturing and nourishing and so yeah the, the the physicality of actually like being in contact with the elements mm. you know sitting with the fire i mean yeah for sure what's your favorite element water is what jumped in right away Mm. I'm a Virgo, so I'm a water bear, so probably that. I love surfing, mm -hmm. I love swimming, I love jumping into water, I love washing dishes. I actually love washing dishes because it's water, because I'm, I'm interacting with water. Mm -hmm. It's a meditation. 
and I'm very familiar with it, and I probably move in a watery way. So it's probably not, maybe it's not my like, you know, I might learn more by, by becoming a fire keeper right now, or, you know, there might be things oh, that, yeah, that yeah, I, could, yeah. I could learn more from other yeah. elements because I'm so familiar with water and with flow. Um, but yeah, and, and I would say my music is probably, it has a, I think it has like a, a flowy, watery mm-hmm. quality to it. I don't think anyone would probably describe it as fiery. Mm-hmm. Right, you know, not mm-hmm. really. Mm-hmm. A bit it. earthy, earthy, watery. Hopefully, not muddy. Are there any particular experience or stories uh, related to Pachamama oh, man. that uh, influenced your creativity, and you would like to share? I mean, I gave myself the opportunity to really just like leave society as I knew it and go into and literally go into the forest. Mm-hmm. And I only recognize now it's like it's like that thing about how only in retrospect can you understand what you were really doing and why things were happening. But in my early twenties, you know, I grew up in a culture that didn't have any rites of initiation. Like where I came from, like you know, to be initiated for a young man usually meant like joining a fraternity, which is like the most it's like the worst example of what an initiation can be. It's all about getting drunk and and developing bonds based on like terrible behaviors, quite honestly. And it's a path I went down and then it's something that I left, very consciously left because I knew that it was not a healthy thing. And so intuitively I just was like initiating myself through going out and being alone in the forest or living, you know, quite like off the grid remotely or, yeah, for years and years and years. And and I really like left the social context that I had grown up in. And it was a period of time when my parents were quite worried about me because I certainly didn't, you know, seem to be on any particular career path Mm -hmm. at that point. And for me personally, it was really about like being in nature as much as possible and just following the voice of my soul, I guess that's what I would want to kind of encourage people to do. And it won't look like my journey, like everyone's got their own unique personal journey, but like give yourself the freedom, take the time, mm-hmm. you know, to step outside of the contexts that you were, you know, born into or grew up in and go find out who you are in that way. You know, travel is amazing for that. And I was always drawn to, I, I kept going back to Peru. I made maybe eight or ten journeys to Peru. And, and then when I'd be back in the U.S. working, it was often just to, like, earn the money to do the, you know, go back and do the thing again. Um, but I fell in love with Peru and with the Sacred Valley of the Inca and with the Amazon and with the experiences and, and the lessons and the, and the wisdom that comes through you know, properly facilitated plant medicine ceremony and, and all these things. And just to be among, like, the Quechua people had a huge impact on me because the Quechua people, and these are the people of, of the Andes in Peru and going down into Bolivia as well, but let's just say the Sacred Valley because that's where I was. Um, and this is where Pachamama comes from. This is Quechua, mm-hmm. Pachamama, Pacha is Earth, Mama, Mother. So Earth, Mother, Pachamama. And the Quechua, if you're around Quechua people, always, gracias, Pachamama, gracias, gracias. And there's so much, like, gratitude toward the earth constantly in their speech, in the ceremonies that they do, in the offerings they make. Everything is about Aini. It's about reciprocal relationship. It's about giving back because the understanding is that through giving back, I am receiving, and they give back not so that they can receive, they give back knowing that they will always receive, and therefore there's no reason not to give. Mm. 
-hmm. can never run out because, you know, the cup is constantly filling up. That's Aini. You know what I mean? It's like, I know I am so taken care of by this universe that I can give and give and give and give. You know? As opposed to a lot of, like, the New Age, like, manifestation kind of teachings now of, like, how much can I manifest receiving? Mm-hmm. How much can I manifest that, you know what I mean? As opposed mm-hmm. to, like, how much can I give because I don't have to worry, but I'm going to receive, I'm going to have what I need. <laughs> you know, it might not be what I want, but it's definitely what I need. So I spent a lot of time down there, and the way I would describe them, these are people who have never not known their fundamental connection with the earth. Right? So for many of us, myself included, it's something I had to remember. It's something I had to like kind of intuitively reinitiate myself into. Mm-hmm. But there are cultures out there where it's never been forgotten. Mm-hmm. And so to be in that field and just to be among people who have never forgotten that is incredibly inspiring. You know, and it's not to say, like, okay, go go try to become a Quechua, but just to, there's a vibration that you're going to, like, tune into, and it's going to awaken something in you that probably is epigenetic if we want to get science about it. I mean, we all have, like, a genetic memory mm-hmm. of living that close to nature and being that much in tune and in resonance with it. And is my journey, you know, as who I am ever going to be as, as profound as one of theirs and and on profound i'm talking about levels of like interspecies communication and i mean there's there's medicine people down there who literally can communicate with with the spirits of plants and trees and this is how they learn to do the healing that they do is they go into visionary states and literally talk to plants and trees and, and the consciousness of the forest itself and i don't propose that i'm anywhere close to that level but it's been inspiring to me and yeah and so i think again just you know getting out of our regular context and putting ourselves in a place and a time that is just infused with that it's almost like magical realism but it's not because it's actually just the reality and this is if you know the writer gabriel garcia marquez he's considered the father of magical realism And he wrote these amazing books, um, 100 Years of Solitude, Love in the Time of Cholera, about Colombia, and they're infused with like crazy, you know, stories that Americans could only describe as like magical. And so someone asked Garcia Marquez, they said, well, you know, how did you come up with this concept of magical realism? And he said, well, first of all, magical realism is a marketing term that the ad agents in new york city came up with i never called my writing magical realism (laughs) for me i am simply describing life in a colombian village Mm. right so the idea is that there are still places where reality itself is magical is infused with possibilities that that we we you know don't get to consider in a more materialistic Mm. culture and so being there and experiencing that is something i highly recommend for sure Mm. how much mama influenced your understanding of uh, environmental responsibility and ecological issues how it reflects in your music i you know there was a point in my life when i was a an activist i used to do tree sip first in the redwoods and as time has gone by i've I'm not the activist I once was, but I've created like a con. So okay, so right now we're 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 in this interview. We're 
at a place uh, in Bali called Chakimuna that's a, a bit of an eco-community that I started 17 years ago. You know, and so I, I guess that's what my activism has been, is to just take responsibility for, you know, what are we, we have like 4,000 square meters of land. It's not a huge place, but there's a river and a waterfall and there's spring waters and beautiful forest. And I've, I've anchored here for 17 years and I've held a space for other people to come and, and live here and experience, you know, just the vibration that, that hopefully you're feeling and appreciating. And so once upon a time, my activism was more political and, and more literal. And then in the last, you know, couple decades as a father and a family man, I've chosen to create a family home that embraces an extended family and that gives people the opportunity to live in a time and a place and at a pace where we are, you know, really connected kind of with the rhythms of nature. Mm-hmm. And just, so it, it's more about, about just living in that, in that simple way than it is about, um, at this point, like environmental campaigns or activism or the things that I used to mm-hmm. do. And if, yeah, and I feel proud of that. And it takes a lot to anchor community and to steward a place and to just be person because the easy thing is say ah this is too much you know i just want to get my own little place and Mm -hmm. and go live on my own but Mm -hmm. i feel like um the deeper thread of my life that is related to pachamama and is just that remembrance of what it means to live as tribe Mm -hmm. and what it means to yeah to live as as tribe and that's ultimately kind of what we've created here through through this property and through the intention of this particular place is a tribe of people, those who are here living here right now, and then a, a whole extended network all over the year, all of, a lot of people who have over the years passed through here, and a lot of them, uh, I think, might say that, that their time here, you know, had a big impact on, on how their lives unfolded. And so there's a music studio here. Um, all the music gets created here. It's infused with... Like I'm looking out the window right now, it's night, but I can see, you know, beautiful, <laughs> beautiful plants all around. The river's right down there, the waterfall's right there. So just on a level of like vibration, like we're very much in this beautiful, um, we've got the studio, we've got our nice microphones and these kind of things, but we've also got like a really raw jungle right there and, and the ability to like go down to the river and, and source source that energy and just be in touch with it and so i think the the expression that flows through here and the music that's come out of the studio again like we're talking about vibration at this point mm-hmm. like it's an essence and it's 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 less about like cheerleading or telling people how they should be or, or and just more about sharing sharing love sharing vibration sharing mm-hmm. an energetic and I can feel that in every your song, it's like a prayer. And oh, uh, when you listen to it, glad to hear that. you can catch up on this uh, level yeah, and uh, enter the space and uh, you can join this prayer. Mm. And uh, because uh, it's a song, you start to pronounce the words and etc. And that's so beautiful, like, uh, you don't even need to know the language, yeah, because yeah. you understand that this is a prayer and you pray to the Mother Earth, yeah, uh, which is source of our life, yeah, for our body at least, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
that's beautiful. So this is the secret that you make uh, your music uh, in the studio, and it it, it has. I want to say a word about that, though, because yeah. we think of it, and, and it's very easy to recognize how Mother Earth is a source of our body, but I feel like there's a transcendent aspect that doesn't often get acknowledged. And when you recognize that Pachamama is not just this 3D, like, physical physical Earth with her beautiful forests mm-hmm. and her mountains and her rivers and her waters, it's actually like the feminine force of creation itself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right, then this is something that becomes much more vast. And I also believe very strongly there is, like, for souls who are, and I'm just going to go off on an esoteric rant right now, and this is my own personal belief or feeling or experience that I've had, but, but to be attuned to the frequency of the earth is a very, very, like, coherent consciousness that actually transcends our physicality. And so, especially as we witness, like, destruction of a lot of systems and a lot of breaking down around us, I feel like being in tune with that fundamental, you know, being in fundamental resonance with the earth has an effect on our soul's journey beyond the level of the physical body. Mm-hmm. You know, in a way, I feel, I feel very safe in her arms, not just for the fact that she's providing me with with a body right now, but safe on a, on a more um, mm. transcendent soul level of the journey beyond this body. Mm. I think there continues to be a relationship or can continue to be a relationship. Likewise, I feel like it might be possible for the soul to journey off into, into a darker, you know, a darker future space. Mm-hmm. And so this relationship, it's almost like this rainbow light bridge mm. kind of feeling. Mm. You know what I'm saying? There's something that feels very nurturing and very loving about being in a relationship of resonance and gratitude with not just the earth, but the spirit of the earth, if that makes any sense at all. I also would like to ask you to tell a little bit how do we feel this time that we are going through right now? Because the earth is... Oh, gosh. Definitely, like, we live in the time of the great shift, you know, like, uh, she's transforming. Yeah. And <laughs> we transform yeah, with her. Yeah. We don't have another chance. I feel like right now, because of, because of current events, it's, it's very hard to approach that conversation without, without treading into politics or treading into, like, immediate world events. But I don't really want to go there because I have kind of just felt in my in my bones since you know 20 plus years ago that 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 these times that we're in now are coming and so it's almost like the with total compassion and empathy for i mean the other day i was like oh my gosh yeah i i i i really want to not relate everything to to the geopolitical events of the moment but just to say that there is an awakening going on. I've seen it happening faster and faster and wider and wider across an incredible spectrum of individuals on a global scale. I've worked with executives who are waking up really fast and transforming their lives and their leadership capacities and resourcefulness and retargeting those in entirely new directions and doing incredibly meaningful work. Like, 
you know, a, a light switch has been flaming in the course of months and, and maybe a few short years, utterly transforming lives. And I've been with, you know, really humble people who are awake and living the most passionate, like loving lives. And so there's no question in my mind that we are obviously in times of change and that there is a mass awakening going on. And I just want to continue to give my life force energy to supporting that. And again, it's so hard to say these things because I don't want to be dismissive of the very real, you know, suffering that's going on in, in particular places right now. But a few years ago, it was COVID. And right now, it's, it's, there's wars in places. And two years from now, there's going to be an entirely different, like, you know, details about what's going on as other systems break down and fall apart and stresses and strains are happening. And so I think, you know, to accept that there is this like background of what might seem like chaos or what might seem like uh, destruction. And that is probably going to be ongoing for the foreseeable future. And just to be in that like Jedi stance of like, okay, where do I want to put my energy in for everybody? Like the answer is going to be unique and different to their own soul expression. But the most important thing, and this goes back to that piece about like, just who are you? Like, who are you authentically? What is your soul's mission? How can you understand that? And then go and do that, you know? And so the work I do hopefully inspires people in that direction, either, you know, and either through, through embodiment, through music, through just, you know, who I am and how I show up. I hope to inspire that. And that's what I'm seeking to do with myself is just a constant, like, reorienting every every new day you know brings a new understanding through new circumstances of like okay what direction is the path leading but the the big picture of the narrative is that yes like there is a massive awakening going on and it's incredibly exciting and it's really 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 beautiful and there's a lot going on in parallel it's utterly terrifying and and it's okay to feel all that and to and to grieve. I think one of the things that can happen in spiritual community is everyone wants it to be love and light all the time. Mm-hmm. And so there's some bypassing that goes on. Mm-hmm. But I think it's it's very necessary and beautiful to like just to be real and and to be willing to like get devastated if that's how if if you feel devastated, go be devastated because what's gonna come through that process of really, you know, getting broken down on goic level or really going through real pain and challenge, you're going to come out the other side, like, if you do it consciously, if you move through it consciously, you're going to come out the other side stronger and brighter and more determined and more empowered. And it's a beautiful thing. It's a good thing. It's a necessary thing. And music helps to live. Music is, music is, (laughs) I mean, it's, it's so important. It can shift shift the energy in a room in in a second it's such a powerful force it really is it's so true yeah and um these days just this weekend actually before our podcast i was laying in my bed with a heat stroke oh no yeah i have a temperature fever my head was aching and um i was listening you were last uh, reels uh, your live stream 
that uh, you put on Instagram uh -huh. uh, with the Sophie uh, and you sang a song for mamas, you sang a song to Pachamama, you sang your own song. Oh, yeah, yeah, angels. yeah, I remember that. And that was just, wow, I can feel like how I heal through this. Oh, thank you so much. It was so beautiful, <laughs> such a pure light. I can feel this vibration. I was really, wow. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, we want to do more of that. And to be quite honest, as I, I like, well, where I am right now as an artist is I want to more frequently share just like raw, real, in the moment yeah. music, you know, with, with that intention and from that prayer space and, and, and not need to spend months and years sometimes like crafting the perfect recording. I mean, Kunyak, so I'll, I'll yeah. tell the story now. Yes. Yeah, so Kunyak is, is the song that really like hit the spot for people, I guess. And I was producing a, a, that EP, the Pachamancha Volume 1 EP, and I was working with an amazing, amazing producer named um, Ben Last, who's also known as Temple Step. And we were working together because I asked him, hey, brother, I really want to learn how to create like organic electronic music. I had been a music producer for, for many years before and always worked with bands and and recording instruments and recording vocals and, and mixing, you know, kirtan albums and this kind of stuff, but I'd never really done anything with beats. Mm -hmm. And he's a master of it. So I think we took like 18 months off and on to, to craft three songs. Mm -hmm. And it, he'd come to Bali and we'd work for a week and then I'd go to Australia and we'd work for five days. And it was very off and on, but it was a really long process just to get those three songs done. And then Kunyak... Sophie and I were just in love with the song and singing it every day and totally addicted to it. And I, one day I was like, I just want to record this one and throw it on. <laughs> and the whole thing happened in like a day and a half. And for me, it was this like, yeah, let me just like throw that on as this extra fourth song on the EP Unbelievable. after spending 18 months. Unbelievable. And it be, but it's testament to like when something is, you know, really alive and fresh. And in a way, like we just let our let our innocence flow, you know, and that's the one that people really, really, really love. Mm -hmm. And so, and that's cool. And I think there's an essence of, um, you know, certainly the love that Sophie and I have for each other comes through in that track. We love singing together, and it was a, it was really like very much a, a co-creation on that level vocally, and and so it was like a, a beautiful moment that that got captured rather than you know, obsessed over and, and perfected over mm -hmm. time. And so this mm -hmm. is what I, as an artist, this is what I hope to share more of, is just beautiful moments that, mm -hmm. that can stream out more spontaneously. Sound really heals. And yeah. We can, like, I think that we can really comprehend that resonance that was recorded right in the moment. And like, we can resonate with it, you know, on the level of our heartbeat or something like this. Mm -hmm. uh, we cannot comprehend it with our mind, but it ha it, it's happening, right? We can feel how our state changes. I mean, I, I love I love hearing that because that that means that it's 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 good music and that and that it's it's resonating for you in a good way. And that that ultimately that would be my intention. Yeah, yeah. And and thank you for your love and appreciation for music. I like yeah. just learned about everything you're doing today, but it's really really cool to hear and and well done for 
finding so many amazing avenues to share that love yeah. with the world and empower other people in that way. Yeah. Viva la musica! Viva Pachamama! Pachamama está de fiesta. 